sometimes you gotta bleed to know That you're alive and have a soul But it takes someone to come around To show you how It's a tear in my heart Ooh. <laughs> I freaking love that song I have no falsetto today Hi, <laughs> my name is John This is Media Media And just to my right and directly ahead is Oh, Sophie that's my name. Yes, you named me. Yes. You should know that. We should go over the show. Okay, today it's a good show. So to lead off, we have uh, first interview is Garrett Graham. He is from the University of North Texas MFA. That's Master of Fine Arts and Documentary Program, which is very cool. Now, I know you didn't think there's anything else in Texas except black hats, but it's not true. There are... There are pockets of talent in Texas. And it's a great interview, and I uh, hope you stay around and listen for that. And then afterwards, hey, an actual industry guy, Billy Summers, director of photography. If you've seen a Nike commercial, you have seen you have probably seen Billy's work. He's awesome. And, and many other commercials. I've babysat his, his son. <laughs> you baby him, you babysat his son. Several times. Several times. <laughs> and so... So we, we've talked about that kind of thing. Uh, oh, also, we're going to do our first rant of the week. Sorry for anyone on headphones just now. That was horrible. I just had to get that off my I got to something to get off my chest. Okay. But first, sandwiches with Sophie. Okay. To start out with sandwiches with Sophie, we're going to talk about the fact that the government is lizards. Don't trust anyone. They're all lizards. They're so... <sighs> Wait. Dad, I've got a breaking... I've got now, starting sandwiches to Sophie, I have a fun fact for you. Um, the government is lizards. Don't trust anyone. The government is lizards. Hey, just, just a second. This just in. What do you want? Presidential candidate Donald Trump hospitalized at New York General Hospital with his left foot stuck in his mouth. There was no report about his right foot. See, I told you, lizards, they're... What other animal or anything can put their foot in their mouth? To Donald lizards. Donald Trump is quite good at it, though. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sandwiches. All right. Moving on. <laughs> um, today I'm eating a BLT because we have the most mainstream... I have the most mainstream things to report ever. Except for not, really, because they're YouTube things. But still. <sighs> I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, um, I'm starting out with Dan Howell. Basically, he tweeted something saying that, like, hold on, I will look it up for you. This is intermission music. This is called avoiding dead air in the industry. Why does he tweet so much? Stop. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, Dan Howell, or Dan is not on fire, at Dan is not on fire, um, tweeted, don't trust the people who tell you other people's secrets. And he basically started this hashtag. I don't remember the hashtag was specifically, but it was like what the secret actually is or something. And it came up with this ridiculous, hilarious things like... The Phil Arita and why it's blah, blah, blah. And basically, stop making 
Yes? I, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> Cut. <laughs> forgot what I was going to say, but I meant... Don't have a feces fest. Don't start a feces fest. If you know what that means, you're a very smart person. Probably have a... Okay. Men oh. Moral of the story. Don't be a drama llama. All right, moving on. Queen Jackie, or Tyler Oakley's mom, Jacqueline Oakley? I don't know what her last name is. Um, and Corey Cool posted a picture together, and she was very, very nice and about it. But Tyler Oakley's reaction was just hilarious. Go look it up. And moving on again, <laughs> we're going to do a review for Inside Out. Basically, I loved it reason it was so good it was not just for children it was just very emotional that could be enjoyed by anyone of any age and it was hilarious as well because you could hear the voices inside other people's heads that was great that's awesome i want that as a superpower <laughs> okay <clears throat> and um now we're doing the minions review dun 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 I'm you, sorry. Do you have an opinion about minions? Um, I think it's funny, but I don't have any emotional things to say about it. <laughs> Go see it. It's good stuff. It's good. It's If you like funny things that don't have to do with anything, do that. Also, it has some history stuff in it because they played in with the minions and about all this different stuff. It's hilarious about like really like important figures, how they died. It was because of the minions. It's great. <laughs> Ooh, that could be that could be meaty. It's hilarious. Okay, that's basically it. Oh wait. Wait. All the links you'll ever need. Down. Okay, so you can follow me at at Sophie Hefley, which is S O P H L Y H E F L Y. That's on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow my dad at, or both of us basically, at Napa Media Mania. If you don't know how to spell those words, uh, okay. Uh, you didn't say mine. My, my. You don't have a Twitter account, Dad. Oh, never mind. Or an Instagram. Facebook. You do have a Facebook. You can find him at John Victor if you want to hear his bad Somewhere. humor. Somewhere. It's bad humor. You can find John Victor. But that's basically it for me. Thank you. And moving on. Hey, let's move on to our interview with uh, Garrett Graham. And we're on with Garrett Graham. Graham. I'll get that. Graham Garrett. Garrett Graham. You have, you know, you have one of those names where you you could, you have two first names. But uh, that's right. Garrett Graham from. The University of North Texas, Master of Fine Arts in Documentary Filmmaking. That's 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 a mouthful. But Garrett, welcome. Well, thank you for having me. You know, um, I was searching around Twitter, which people do, and uh, it suggested that we follow you. So I looked at your program, put you on Twitter, looked at your tweets. And you got, you know, you've got a great little program. You know, um, we're in California here, so we're going North Texas, what? But, <laughs> you know, that's our prejudice. But, so tell us about the program. Now, you, I know that you're a student uh, in the mm -hmm. program, and you're also, uh, you also teach as well, is that correct? 
Well, actually, I'm just about to start teaching. I'm a graduate student in the program, and I've just recently been hired as a teaching fellow. So I'm still working on my degree and still going to class, and I'm about to start teaching my first classes this coming semester. So that's very exciting for me. Well, you know, let's hear your personal experience. How did you find out about the University of North Texas like that? Well, uh the program has existed for about as long as I've been at UNT because I've been at UNT for a long time. I got my undergraduate degree in radio, television, and film there, and I arrived in 2006, and this particular Master of Fine Arts program in documentary filmmaking uh, was started in about 2005, I believe. So I took a long time getting my undergraduate degree, having adventures, and mostly making small movies about social movements in the North Texas region. And when I was thinking about studying documentary filmmaking uh, professionally, and I really decided that I wanted to pursue that and be a teacher as opposed to going to work uh, for some private production company, being a teacher really appealed to me, especially because I have a grandfather who's a professor and he influences me a lot. But uh, right here at the University of North Texas is a very fine documentary film program that focuses on providing students with the ability to teach documentary as well as produce documentary. Not everybody does that with this degree, but the MFA terminal degree is a degree that you can teach with, and that's really right. what the program is uh, aimed towards, and that's what I'm hoping to do with it. So I'm, I'm very happy to be uh, hired as a teaching fellow. You know, let me talk as a parent here. Now, I went to Ripon College in Ripon, Wisconsin, whoop de doo but I was a an art history major and an economics major. And very rare bird. Yeah, very rare bird. I only know one other person that has a combination. But the reason is one of my art teachers started talking about technology and art. And so because you know, my parents had a financial background, I had an artist and a my dad was the equivalent of a CFA. And so I started to think about the economics of art. That was kind of where my brain was. So with you, I think that I think you're having a similar experience. My parents are going, you're doing what? <laughs> well, I mean, my, obviously, my, my parents are, are very proud of me. Right. But my my grandfather, uh, he teaches architectural history. And he has a similar kind of combination of technical know-how and artistic appreciation. And he really instilled that in me. And being a documentary filmmaker, or any filmmaker for that matter, is a very similar kind of uh, experience where you're combining totally aesthetic and subjective considerations with a very hard technical um, know-how. You know, you have to be both an artist and, you know, you have to be sort of... Um, have to have an engineering kind of mind in order to be able to put all these elements together. Right. And how long is the program? The program is a three-year program, although it's not uncommon for people to take an additional fourth year if they're still finishing their thesis documentary. And uh, the way it works is you have three years in the program, and the very first year you get to make a documentary all by yourself, which is a big learning curve. Right. And then in the, sec and then in the second year you have to work with a crew that you are assigned to work with, who are your classmates, but you get to direct your documentary, which forces you to figure out how to work with people 
even if, you know, don't have quite the same skill sets or if they have different opinions or different working styles, you know, first you're all by yourself, then you have to work with a team, whether or not it's the team you would have picked. And then finally, you get to produce a thesis documentary that's pretty much on your own terms. And that's where you really get to call your shots and uh, go about it the way you would like. So it, it's really educational, and the whole thing is just focused on making documentaries, as well as lots of other stuff, but they really emphasize getting you in there, and you'll be making documentaries in your very first semester, and you won't stop until you're done. You, you know, I think right now, and this is my prejudice, you are having, and your classmates are having, a really interesting time because of the background of Texas politically, politically is pretty conservative, but there's a lot of social movement going on now. There's a lot of change right now. And oh, yeah. that must create some really, really fascinating documentaries, I bet. Uh, well, actually, yeah, I can only speak for myself, but the documentary that I'm currently working on is called Don't Frack with Denton. And it's actually about, uh, you know, the, uh, by the way, I don't know if you mentioned, but the program is in Denton, Texas, where the University of North Texas is. And some of your listeners may be aware that Denton, Texas, recently became the first city in Texas to ban fracking. And that's because they had a vibrant uh, movement here that demanded that. And there's a lot more to that that we probably can't go into. But that, right. uh, that story is what I'm making my current documentary about. And I've made documentaries in the past about uh, similar environmental movements in the North Texas region, which is not a place that people usually expect to find environmentalists. Yeah, no kidding. Well, exception of Austin, okay, which is a different part of the state. They're all crazy there. That's well, why we love them. So. Yeah, well, for better, for better or for worse, people often compare Denton uh, by describing it as a mini Austin. I've never lived in Austin. I've been there many times, and some people might love or hate that description, but that's sort of the vibe we have here in this little college town of Denton. I, I get it. So uh, let's let's give as we get to the end of the interview here. Make sure we get the important stuff. Uh, oh yeah, you're on Twitter, right? So what your Twitter I, handle? I'm is? I'm on Twitter as well as the program. Okay. Uh, I, it's at. But it's uh, at Garrett Graham one. Okay. That's okay. two R's and two T's and G R A H A M and uh, somebody beat me to. Uh, Somebody beat me to the Twitter handle, so I had to add a one to the end of it. Got it. And for the and university, the, the university handle is at? It's at UNTMFA Docs. And, of course, you can find out more at UNTMFADocs.com. Gotcha. Um, and so if someone wanted to enroll in the program, go to the website first, right? Yeah, UNTMFADocs.com will link to all the necessary materials to submit. And uh, it's a very good program. I really encourage anybody who's interested in nonfiction filmmaking to uh, look into it. Sounds great. And, of course, you know, things happen. You know, someone makes a doc documentary and, hey, all of a sudden it, it hits the big screen. So oh, yeah. it's all good. Well, I, the, the, the most recent documentary that come out of the program that's received a lot of uh, attention is something called the Revisionaries by Scott Thurman. He's a graduate of the program, and you can look that documentary up on Netflix right now. The um, got it. Yeah, it's a made-up word, but it's a documentary about the battle here in Texas over textbooks and whether or not they include things like evolution and climate change. It's a really fascinating documentary. Well, we'll look for that. Garrett Graham, thank you so much for your time. 
I look forward to seeing some of your documentaries, hit some of the film festivals. You know, uh, we invite you to, in, to, uh, to jump in and try to get into the Napa Valley Film Festival. They're, they're done for their submissions this year, but uh, they do have a great section on documentaries. Please look at it, and thank you so much for, for interview, interviewing with us. Have a oh, well, thank you so much for having me. All right, thank you. And coming back, wasn't that a great interview? That was a great interview. But now, rant of the week. That was a little bit too loud. I apologize for anyone who has headphones. Actually, I don't apologize. You're probably dead. I would love to come to your funeral. Is that okay? Yes. Okay. All right, here's my rant. So, some of you may know about the ESPYs. That's ESPN's where they pick the greatest athletes. And first of all, my first gripe, ESPN didn't air it. It was on ABC, and that's a longer story. Don't get me started. Okay. I won't. But here's the weird thing about this. Okay. First of all, they had a category for best coach. Okay, no Bruce Bochy, manager of the Giants, won the World Series three out of the last five years. Not even nominated. Okay. Now it gets better. All right, they went great, best championship performance. And one of the co- contestants was a horse, American Pharaoh, who won the Triple Crown. And, and last time I checked, he was not human. He was a horse. So anyway, so he, thank you for that. And that was my opinion, too. Nay. Okay, so... So he was competing against other humans. That's not fair because he has four legs and the other people have two. It makes perfect sense. Last but not least, now this really, really annoys me. Now, granted, the nominations were a while back. And then we had the Women's Soccer Championship, the World Cup for women. And then they had the finals. But they made no allowance for probably the best individual performance ever ever by carly lloyd who was just phenomenal she scored literally three goals that's a hat trick in a championship it's only been done once before by a man in 1964 a german guy i forget his name sorry anyway she could have been nominated stay with me for this best play best championship and best woman sports star was she mentioned no and that's my rant for the for my here we go Rant of the week. Beautiful. All right. Rant of the week. Sorry, I just want to try that. (laughs) And taking over the phone. Okay, so um, now we move on to a super, super, duper, super interview. You're out of control. Okay. I know, now we move right? on to a, a great interview. Uh, actually, we did about a month ago uh, and saved it up for a, for a super good show. Billy Summers, uh, director of photography, a guy I worked with, and just a wonderful, funny, cool, hip dude. And now our interview with Billy Summers. Billy Summers. How the hell yes, are sir. you? Hey. Howdy. I'm just having a good time here. This, you know, you're the initial recording for Napa Broadcasting Media Mania. How do you think about that? 
I love it. Thank you for uh, you know letting me be the initiatory degree of uh, we'll see how severe it gets. Thank you. It will be severe. Hey, let's. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you're living in the Napa Valley now, aren't you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I really feel bad for you. The fact that you must drink great wine all the time. It's terrible. I know. Um, we'll do a blood test on your liver a little later. Okay. I'm good with that. Yeah, it's only bad when I leave the valley. It's only you know, bad. And, right. I, and, and you know, but I I, I let my sta- I let my standards go when I leave the valley. You know, I don't hold them to that same decree. That makes a lot of sense. Hey, so yeah. so living in the Napa Valley, you know, mm-hmm. let me talk about Billy Summers. Billy Summers is a great DP. I've had a chance of, to work with him. He is one of the few photographers I know can work on a skateboard. We'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. And. And so how is it like being here and then doing all your work? Um, it's, you know, it was, um, it was tough for a while when I was really, really grinding. Um, and I was uh, in L.A. part-time and then in Napa part-time, and I was just driving back and forth. It's like a six-hour drive, and I would just speed up and down the grapevine and, you know, kind of back and forth week to week sometimes. So it was pretty tough, but... Um, I've, you know, kind of let go of, you know, being such a workhorse with the filmmaking and I've really just become really highly selective with my projects and, um, you know, kind of moved into some other areas of, you know, creativity and life, Um, you know, one being the wine brand and, um, yeah, I've just kind of, you know, I've kind of refocused myself, you know, ever since my mom passed, I kind of changed my I don't know. Things just change a little bit, you know. Right, but right. but yeah, yeah. Just a different phase of the life. I get it. So yep. You know, you've had this huge, interesting background. You know, I know that you know, like you're a really talented guy on any kind of board because I've seen you. Sure, <laughs> you can sure. you can handle a camera. Um, and I know you spent a lot of time in Jamaica, and yep. And how did it all, all that all filter back into the movie biz? Um, well, I don't, you know, I think it was just, um, I kind of tend to turn my passions into careers. And, you know, when I was young, I was, I was studying method acting at the Lee Strasberg, um, actor studio at the same time I was, um, you know, fostering a dream of becoming a professional snowboarder and they kind of came to a head right at the same time. Um, and I was finished with my work at the school and my, and my sort of got my, you know, masters, if you will. And they were like, okay, it's time to move to LA and be an actor. At that same time, I was handed, you know, contracts and offered money to get paid to snowboard. And I kind of said, well, I'm, you know, young and my bones are probably easier to heal. (laughs) So I should probably snowboard. And so I, you know, I took that on and got to travel the world and everything. And it was great. And I hit a bunch of success points that I wanted to hit. But then, you know, I just, the fire started getting less and it started becoming the same. And I always loved making music. I mean, not making music, but playing music and DJing. And I was really starting to get into dance hall music and, um, you know, like Jamaican hip hop, whatever. Uh, And I just was DJing a lot. And I came to a point where I wanted to make the music, not just play it. And I don't know, I was getting paid for snowboarding, but I just lost the passion and the passion, the fire really grew for music. And so I just, I moved into this warehouse, studio space where there was a recording studio and I just stayed up till five in the morning trying to figure out how to make a beat and you know what notes were and chord progression and all that stuff so 
and then that just kind of took me there. And I, you know, I've, I've always been a two foot in guy and I met, um, some artists. I ended up writing a song for Ross Shiloh and then I made a connection there. And then I had a couple other little connects in Jamaica and I just went down there and kind of pushed my way through and started recording and had a record label and just kind of went on that whole journey and tried to, you know, find some success and some fun and, you know, um, worked really hard at that. And then, you know, I'd always, uh, when I got injured one time snowboarding, my mom bought me a camera and I started playing around with 35 and I had all these professional photographer friends that I'd be on snowboard trips with. So I asked them sort of the settings and whatnot. And I shot some pictures of my friends while I was rehabbing and I got some published stuff. And, you know, I've always been a visual guy. I've always loved light. And, um, you know, after the, 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 the reggae career and all that stuff came to a head, I, and, and, and then CDs became free <laughs> and Napster kind of got that, rid of all the tower, that, rec- yeah, tower records. Yeah. You know? That, that helps. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that made it tough. And reggae was such a small slice of the musical sort of pie, if you will, that it was just got, you know, way tougher. And so I just said, you know, what, what, you know, what do I really want to do? And I, just always had this affinity for lighting and I, I didn't know that I was a DP, but I would, you know, I was experimenting and going to school and then I got an opportunity to hang out with some really amazing, um, gaffers and, uh, key grips. And I kind of came up through grip and lighting and I just, I don't know, for some reason it just came to me really easily. And I, I thought it came to other people easily and I didn't know until later in life that it, lighting wasn't that easy, but for me, it just, it makes sense, you know, and I've always, even when I was snowboarding, you know, I would, uh, they want to go hike a quarter pipe or something and I'd be and you know, go up in the morning and then I'd say, wait, hold on, where's the sun and what time does it hit over there? And I was like, oh man, let's go in the evening. And then I'd get like a full, right. you know, size poster out of it because the light was good and, you know, as well as other things. So I just, I, I started going down that road. I started, you know, um, I worked on some bigger features. I worked on some small stuff. Um, I worked on Lynn Shelton's first film and um, just started coming up through grip and lighting and, you know, and I always understood cameras and framing. And so it just all came together and then it was like, wow, I guess I am a DP. Hey, and, um, hey, and hey, then I just started hustling, you know, Billy, can we, you know, cause we have a few people that are part of yeah. our, part of our gig here is for young people that want, might want to get in the film industry. And so you use some fill terms. So we know DP is a director of photographer, but what about yeah, grip and gaffer and all the, that other stuff? Tell, talk about that. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and one funny side note is like I had a, a email that was Billy Summers DP at Gmail a while ago. And then people not in the film industry would be like double penetration. And I was like, no, dude, Uh-oh. director of photography. Yeah. So that was, uh, yeah, you gotta be careful with that. Um, but, uh, so, so gaffer, that's the chief lighting technician, um, dealing with all the electricity and um lights and stuff like that a key grip is the person that sort of anything that needs to hang or grip or anything that you hang the light off um also all the gels and filtration for lighting you know to make the light softer or to adjust the color temperature maybe to match you know daylight or um, tungsten which is you know interior light which is more orange you know it's uh at, you know, a lower color temperature, you know, lower Kelvin, if you will, 3,200 yep. Kelvin. Yep. You know, so, um, yeah, so those are, you know, the director of photography is sort of the, the, the top dog of the crew. And then the right-hand man would be the um, gaffer and the other right-hand man would be the key grip. Gotcha. So those are the sort of the three leads on any film and they can have a number of, you know, guys behind them or yep. girls. 
You know, yeah. you, you, you've always been – I've always been impressed that you're real kind of a techno geek when it comes to camera. Mm-hmm. What are you using now mm-hmm. and why? Um, I mean, geez, to be honest, uh, the cameras have gotten so good that, I mean, I, I tell guys, hey, man, I'll battle – you can have pick any camera you want. I'll battle you with my iPhone 6. I mean, ah. it's like it, it looks so good. But, yeah, the Alexa is a beautiful camera. It looks really good out of the box. Um, I worked with, you know, the red cameras and the Epic and now the weapon in the past. And, you know, I, I was one of the first guys to sort of use those cameras. I was in the first 50. I had like number 13 camera and then I was like the third guy in the world with the Epic. And um, so I use that stuff. But but I love film. I mean, if I can shoot film, film's the easiest to shoot for me because you can make mistakes and, and it can correct in post. But uh, you know, I was one of the guys that kind of came from film, but then started treating digital as if it were film. And I was in the early stages of when they first came, you know, got the 24P in the Panasonic cameras and Ted Shilowitz sort of came up with that stuff. And I was able to be there and, and it was the first time that you could sort of cheat it and video look like film or you could cheat it to look like film because prior to that it always looked like video or a soap opera and there was that right. barrier where you you know you couldn't you couldn't really make it look like a movie unless you shot on film yeah, so yeah. i got to be a p- part of that sort of evolution revolution you know one of the things that i've noticed watching film is that kids film the the mm-hmm. photography involved there has just gotten so much better just in you know the last ten years, is there any you know, like uh, younger person's movie that you've seen where you've gone, wow, that is really good? Oh, you mean like uh, made by young people? Well, made by young people, or you know, uh, a studio film where you're going, boy, that's really they're really doing something there, you know? Oh, where they make like it's like a kids' film, but they do make like do a brilliant job of yeah, photography. Yeah, yeah. And, oh man, I mean, so many, dude. Yeah, I have a seven year old, so. I mean, there is just, I mean, even, you know, what impresses me is even more, not more, but just, just as much as like a lot of the animation, you know, and you have guys like Roger Deakins sitting in on that and helping them with the lighting and really making all that stuff look real. Um, I don't know. You know, there's a lot of films that sort of come to mind. I mean, it, it, you know, also I think it's crossed over to where I don't go. I used to be, you know, there was a time maybe 10 years ago or so where you go to a film, you go, you kind of looking at whether they shot on film or digital and you could always tell, but now I just, I go to watch a movie. I don't even right. really think about that. Right. It could be either way, but it's kind of gotten so good that it's really close to film and it's only going to get better. So, you know, um, right. I remember, yeah. I remember talking to you about uh, grand Budapest hotel and how, how the visuals were so wow, they were out there. They were so good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love Wes Anderson. And I mean, I think, He's got such a cool visual aesthetic that he's maintained. Um, I've always am impressed with directors that can maintain a visual style. You know, I think Ridley Scott's done that through a long history of you know his his movies and his career. Wes Anderson has an awesome style, totally different, but you know it's unique and it's his vision. And I'm always impressed when those guys can like even use different directors of photography and then achieve the same you know, look that, you know, is like, oh, this is a Wes Anderson film or this is a, you know, whatever, a Ridley Scott film. Um, gotcha. So, hey, yeah. Can we, you know, come back, you know, great yeah. talk. Let's, but, but let's kind of zoom back to your personal thing. You know, uh, sure. uh, 
maybe you give just a couple of minutes on the on the on the wine you're making because I I remember when you started this project and so uh, mm-hmm. you know and we've had conversations around you know what's good and what's not and what do you like what kind of style you like so what do you make sure now? so we're making um, a Sauv Blanc um, and we and then we have a red blend um, and uh, yeah the red blend is delicious it's a classic Bordeaux blend. Um, you know, predominantly Cabernet Sauvignon, uh, Petite Verdot, a little Petite Verdot, a little Merlot. Um, and then, uh, you know, the Sauv Blanc, we have this kind of interesting varietal called Symphony that we blended in there that's really sort of, you know, feminine, a little bit tropical. Some people get some cantaloupe on the nose, and, and that's kind of fun just to, you know, tweak it a little different from just the classic grassy citrusy, you know, Sauv Blanc that I, that I love, you know, I love that flavor profile. Um, and, and then the red wine, you know, I've had some, we put it up against some pretty big critics, some guys that I really respect that are like highly opinionated when it comes to wine and winemaking and, and they gave it a thumbs up. So we're really, you know, stoked on the red and, and the white is super drinkable. We're still tweaking it a little bit just to sort of like dial in the finish. We might add like I don't know, maybe 5% Moscato, a little, you know, sugar in there to kind of hold the finish. But, you know, that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at with it. Sounds great. Hey, we've got just yeah. about 40 seconds left. Maybe okay. I want you to make a recommendation to our listeners. If you were okay. out, if you were out there watching one film that you just that just knocks you out, what would you watch? Like at, through all history or, um, yeah, or right now in the theater? I, yeah, right now in the theater. I mean, right now in the theater, I haven't really seen everything. I just saw Mad Max, and they did a good job sort of keeping it, you know, they did a lot of odes to the original film, right. which I thought, right. yeah, they did yeah. a good job, which is always tough. You know, it's tough to find that balance, but that's cool. But if you're going to watch, like, just a classic, lovely, beautiful film, I would say go watch Blade Runner. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Classic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've got my, my, my engineer who you know, Sophie D here is like smiling when you said that. So, Oh yeah. 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 That's like that. That's the guy. That's what I would do is go watch. There's so many great films out there that I would just go watch one of the, you know, beautiful movies of, of time and history and then, and then go see something new and, and, and see if it resonates, you know? Sounds great. Hey, Billy yeah. Summers, DP all around. Great guy. Probably the coolest guy I know. Got the most beautiful wife. Got the most beautiful kid. Okay, you're you're in paradise. I love you. Thank you so much. All right. Lots of love, brother. Thank you. All right. Thanks for the call. You betcha. All right. Talk soon. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. Uh, that was we, Billy Summers. He's great. Yes. Now we His move. His child is just kind of hilarious. Can I tell you the story? Yes. Okay. So a long, long time ago. Mm, what far we place on a stormy night? No, 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 no. What age was I when I um, babysit his son? Babysat his son? Uh, 12? 12, yes. Yeah, okay. So that was two years ago. Basically, In goat years. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I was on Twitter, and he was teaching me how to play this game. I'm not sure what it was. It was kind of like golf, I think. And he, and he was like, okay. And I tried. And he was like, okay, this is how you do it. And he messed up, and he goes, he looks at me, and he says, even professionals make mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> he was like five. Five? Five. He was five, five? years old. I... <laughs> You're being very unprofessional. Okay. I can't. Never mind. It's still funny. I remember because I posted it on, on Twitter. 
Rather than make, making the show even longer, let me kind of conclude here. But but first, I have a Sophie story. Oh, no. This is true. Oh, no. Sorry, so I love this. I love this feature. So, <laughs> Sorry, I'm taking all Sophie discovers Echo. Anyway, so um, we're heading here in the car. And Sophie says, I don't know if my, I think my breath is still bad. And I said, well, you know, can I brush my teeth? Because we have these little teeth brushy things in the car. And so all I said, all you got to do is lick the back of your hand, let it dry off, and then smell it. That's a <laughs> trick that we've known for years. Yes. And so I reminded her of that. And so and so she she does that, and she's like waving her hand around for about an hour. And then she finally goes and she smells her hand. And what does she do? She goes, <laughs> I, I basically I basically gagged, and then I w- and then he was laughing at me. He was like, "No, no, smell!" <laughs> and he smelled it. He was driving. He goes, <coughs> and that's what we saved the microphone from today. It was epic. Now moving on. Yeah, the microphone really cares about how much. I- In our next show, hey, we've got a great lineup coming up. Um, wow, we have good beautiful words. women next time. We have Chanel Ryan, who is. We believe a breakout actress is going to come up. We also have Jen Knight. <laughs> so if you think she's doing pentatonics, never mind. Okay. Um, percussion. Pentatonics percussion. Jen Knight, Chanel wait, Ryan. Like, wait, 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 wait. I have a discovery. It sounds like when you're putting a thing back and forth, it's like. <laughs> it would be a record. That's a, that's the word. <laughs> a record of the needle backwards. We're going back. And then we'll do magnum sounds with a rock. Anyway, so next. <laughs> We're having too much fun today. So let me do this again. Chanel Ryan, Jen Knight, uh, Mary, uh, I can do this, Maggie Terry Vialli, another great interview. Uh, a very, very, very funny comedian, uh, Chris Reddish. Who you, I'm looking for. He's a British accent, which you'll uh, love. An accent. an accent. A British accent. He's a British accent. Yes. He, he, grew, he grew up an accent and then became British. <laughs> He's a British person who has an accent. Okay. That's what you're trying to say. I think we're, it's time to move on to music now. The reason, the, the, the reason that it's that it's more fun. This It's fun, funner? Funner. It's a word now. <laughs> the, seriously. Another story. Funnier. Um, basically, it's because I don't have to listen to you uh, interview people for an hour. Oh. Cue the music. <laughs> Please. Please. Please cue it. Please. 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 Songs on the radio are okay But my taste in music is your face And it takes a song to come around To show you
car I drove the whole time But that's okay, I'll just avoid the hole so you sleep fine I'm driving here, I sit, cursing my government For not using my taxes to fill holes with more cement You fell asleep in my car, I drove the whole time But that's okay, I'll just avoid the hole so you sleep fine I'm driving here, I sit, cursing my government Sometimes you gotta bleed to know, oh, oh, that you're alive and have a soul, oh, oh, but it takes someone to come around.